I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Breastfeeding, in my humble opinion, is the dirty little secret of new motherhood. Since the day my son was born, I have felt a real sense of responsibility towards breastfeeding and a real guilt when my four-day-old son went on a nursing strike. I have laughed, I have cried, I have screamed over breastfeeding. There are days where I love being able to provide for my son in this way, and there are others where I think, what the hell am I doing? But I committed to this in the hospital, and I am no quitter. But to call it natural is honestly comical. I knew from the get-go that I really needed some help with this, so I called the best person I could think of, Sherry Bayless. She happens to be one of the most well-known lactation consultants in the New York City area. There is literally nothing that she has not seen. She primed me during labor, and my son flew out of me in three pushes and five minutes flat. So I figured if she could help me with that, then surely she could help me breastfeed. I'm happy to report that she did. We're taking a look back on my breastfeeding journey and what a ride it has been. But we're also tackling latching, weaning, low milk supply, what to do when you go back to work. Sherry has seen it all and she can answer pretty much every question that you've ever had about breastfeeding. It is my true honor to introduce you to Sherry Bayless. From New York City, USA, welcome to the Fox 5 Podcast Network. Okay. When I was pregnant, everybody said to me, you should take a birthing class. You should take a breastfeeding class. I said, I only have so much time. I'll go for the thing that doesn't seem so natural to me, which would be birthing. I'll take the birthing class. What I should have done was take the breastfeeding class, and I should have called Sherry Bayless, and I should have taken the class, and I didn't, but I'm fortunate enough to have your expertise here with me today and also as a result of taking that birthing class. Thanks. Sherry Bayless. Hello. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Good to see you again. I know. We haven't seen you uh, since you just had the little guy. Yes. And I feel like I'm a totally different person since you saw me <laughs> on my couch. She was a, a little bit out of sorts when I went to see her. Very teary-eyed. Not yes. handling this too well. But no. we got that little guy on because I, he wasn't. He decided he didn't want to breastfeed and we got him to, to nurse. I remember calling you right after I had Matthew and I was like, hey, listen, had the baby all went well the guy shot right out but listen this breastfeeding thing is the dirty little secret of motherhood I can't figure it out right. and I remember you saying I told you to take the breastfeeding did class you, did you take the breast no I didn't take the breastfeeding class didn't I tell you to do that <laughs> yes the more you know you know it's our favorite it's our favorite speech it's all about knowledge is power mm-hmm. and if you have the information you do not get caught but still breastfeeding is not as natural as everybody thinks it is it is a learned art it is and I, that was one of the most surprising things. We'll backtrack a little bit because I did meet you in a birthing class, uh, yes. one that was recommended by the Stacy Delicat. Thank you very much, Stace. <laughs> um, and she said to me, take the class, you'll love it. And I was so fearful of childbirth, I thought, well, this is going to be the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. I need to be armed with the knowledge and my husband's likely going to divorce me if he sees what's going on down there. So <laughs> so listen, we got to be armed with some sort of information so everybody's prepared. Correct. And it was in that class that you also talked about the fact that you do a breastfeeding seminar as well. You are, I'm going to say this because you're not going to say this for yourself. You are one of the most sought after lactation consultants and Lamaze instructors in the city, really in the tri-state area. So you know everybody and everybody knows you. That is what I've been told. <laughs> I hear I have quite the uh, the fan club. That's what they say in New York. And I'm only one degree from separation from most people I know, not that, six. That's true. That's true. But you also have the added experience of being a labor and delivery nurse. Yes. I worked at New York Presbyterian Hospital for 24 years in that role along with the Lamaze and the lactation. So it kind of helps that you work in a big city hospital with a lot of experience. Plus, I also am a mother of twin boys who are now 24 years old and I had them at New York Presbyterian vaginally, and I breastfed them for nine months. And after nine months, they decided that they didn't want to breastfeed, which is, it's what they call baby-led weaning. And that was very painful for me because I would have hoped to have made it a year, but a little pumping uh, will help that that cause. So that's what we did. So the, the first part of that is the fact that you were able to deliver twins vaginally. Yes. Which I don't know what the statistics are, but I can't imagine there are many moms that are able to do that. I was so, it was so rare that when I was delivering, since all my colleagues had so rarely seen a vaginal delivery, they all asked if they could be in the room with us. And my husband <laughs> was counting bodies around the room saying, "Hun, 
There are 11 staff members in here. I thought there was supposed to be four. I said, yeah, I let everybody come in. I let them all come in to watch the delivery. Did you feel like you had to show up, though, because this is your place of business? Sort of. They were at the time when epidurals were still, it was still very popular, but breathing was what it was in Lamaze, and this is 20 years, something years ago. So I had to prove to everybody that I could breathe through it, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk, and I was able to do it. So did I have an epidural? Yes, because I was having a delivery with twins, and you never know what's going to happen with twins, but they both came out uh, vaginally, and uh, then we did a good job. We had a good time and good delivery. By the way, there's nothing wrong with an epidural. I know. As somebody who has <laughs> since been acquainted with one, I can oh, tell no. you it is lovely. People think of it as the best thing since sliced bread. Mm -hmm. They love, love, love their epidurals. Sliced bread has never given me the sheer pleasure (laughs) and relief. I would agree. (laughs) You can be a real shrew before you get that epidural, but boy, do you become a princess immediately (laughs) after you get that one. I was everything I imagined I would be in childbirth once the drugs kicked in. Once the drugs kick in, your husband looks at you with all new eyes going, wow, she really is happy now. This is it. And then as far as the breastfeeding is concerned, I know a lot of moms of twins who either try and it doesn't take, or one child gives them a headache, or they just say, it's not one body, but two bodies to feed. Forget it. I'm not a machine. I can't do this. It is, in my experience as a lactation consultant, you usually get one great baby nurser and one that's not such a great nurser. And so you end up constantly having to deal with that fact, let alone trying to make milk for two. And I've met mothers who are triplets who can make milk for three. It's just a matter of how much time you put in at the beginning. You also have to be completely committed to it. If you really weren't committed at the beginning of it, it's not going to work with, with one baby or three babies. So in the world of twins, for me, it was, I didn't have a choice. This was it. I was completely committed to it. So I didn't think anything else. And I was pumping and I was giving bottles of breast milk and I was nursing and my sons were, you know, terrific and they did really great on breast milk. So I was, I was very committed to the fact that the thing that people don't understand is when you have one sick baby, you get two sick babies with twins. Mm -hmm. So if I could keep one baby from getting ill, that meant I was going to keep two babies from getting ill and going back to work at three months. I still had to deal with that fact of making sure that they stayed healthy. So I was very, very committed to making sure they had breast milk. And by the way, the Entenmann's cakes didn't Oh, and didn't the Entenmann's cakes. <laughs> what, what Teresa don't is think talking I didn't about, about that. that. What, what, what is the big issue for a lot of mothers is they don't have time to eat. And when you're talking to moms on the phone telling me my breast milk's not great or I don't have enough breast milk, I'll often ask them what they ate the day before and they don't really put the two and two together. And the first thing I say to them is, listen, for me to be able to consume enough calories to make milk for twins, I used to have to consume 4,000 calories. 1,000 came in the form of a half an Entenmann's cake every afternoon. (laughs) So anyone who hears that is absolutely thrilled to know that they can eat anything they want. And, And ladies and gentlemen, I took all the weight off very quickly, breastfeeding twins. You burn close to a thousand calories a day per baby side note here when I told when I reminded Dan about the Entenmann story (laughs) he's like oh so that's why you keep ordering all these lactation cookies that you see sponsored on your Instagram page totem women boob food this that I was ordering cookies from people all over the country and I kept saying if Sherry Bayless could eat a whole Entenmann's loaf every day I could surely have a few cookies absolutely and he'd be like "Mm." I don't know that's I think she, I don't really think she ate the cake every day Teresa I'm like every damn day Dan I'm allowed to have the cake every day my sons have a certain affinity to that that pound cake from Entenmann's they they tasted it when they got older and boy they're like wow mom what is that I'm like something you ate when you were still uh, babies <laughs> yeah right. you just didn't know you were eating it at the time so for me, I was lucky enough that when I had Matthew, he the birthing process, I, I joke about it, but it really was very simple. Yes. It's not always that for everybody, and hopefully it will be for children in the future, but for him, he came right out. Right. It was like five minutes of pushing and boom, hi, here we are. And they put him right on me. So I was able to put him on skin to skin, and he latched immediately, which I was like, this is where I'm thinking this is natural, this is easy. But he was on me for what felt like 45 minutes to an hour at a clip. And when I was at the hospital, he just kept crying. This little boy would scream with this power inside of him that I didn't know a baby was capable of. And at Lenox Hill, they kept saying, he's hungry. So I was like, well, I'm giving him everything I've got here, people. And they're like, no, he's getting everything he needs. He's getting the colostrum. I'm thinking, but he's still crying.
crying a lot. Yeah. Is that natural, normal? There, there are different reasons why that happens. Um, first of all, colostrum only comes out in teaspoons. It doesn't come out in ounces, which is a very big surprise by a lot of mothers. The other surprise that most women don't know is there is actually colostrum in the boobs from about 14 weeks of your pregnancy on. So even if your baby comes early in a premature situation, they're still going to get breast milk or colostrum. Okay, so why is it that colostrum is the first milk and then the real milk comes in three days later is because the gut of a baby really needs to be primed for the real milk. Mm. Now, of course, there are women who don't breastfeed and they get formula from day one and everything's hunky-dory. But when you really look at the way that the body is built and the babies and nature and so on, is that it does take a few days for the body to get used to what's gonna come down the gut. And so the colostrum really helps that. Now, that being said, there are babies that come out and they are voracious eaters. Mm -hmm. And if they're not getting even the two, three, or four, or five mLs of colostrum they're supposed to get, they're going to complain bitterly. On the other side of this is sometimes the latch is not correct from the beginning. And so what looks like what's working really isn't working. And I know you and I talked about this ad nauseum, and that is if a baby latches on and immediately falls asleep, it's like going to a restaurant where the maitre d' won't seat you you either say, okay, I'm leaving and going next door, or you're going to make a big fuss and go, what about that table over there that's empty? Please seat me. <laughs> At the very beginning of a child's life, they rarely complain about the fact they're not getting fed. They will except just, for my baby. Except for your baby. Sometimes the babies will just let us know they're not getting anything. And so what, we look, what looks like what's working isn't often working. And I, this is the biggest problem of being in a hospital and hospital setting sometimes is no one is actually watching, they'll watch the latch, but they won't watch what goes on past the latch because they'll come in and go, oh, latch looks great, he must be getting it, this is all wonderful. But what you're not watching is what the jaw is doing. You're not watching the eyes, you're not watching their response. And if you're not seeing it, you're not gonna know they're actually getting food. So mm -hmm. if a mother calls me and says, oh, I'm nursing, I'm like, yeah, explain to me how it's working. Well, they go on and they immediately fall asleep. Oh, he, his eyes closed, I'm like, I'm sorry, he's not nursing. No, Sherry, he's nursing. I'm like, no, he's not, because he's falling asleep at the breast. It's like your husband eating at the dinner table and his head goes down and he falls asleep at the table. You don't count that as a meal. Wait, I don't want to count that as a meal. He's not eating. So, uh, you know, in many, many instances, what looks like what's working isn't often working. And then there are those babies who still just don't get enough. So in some instances, we do have to supplement. It's a problem for some others, especially those who are really committed to the breastfeeding and don't want any formula in the picture. Other times I just sit back and say, look, we got number one rule in babies is you got to feed them. Mm -hmm. Whatever that definition is, you have to feed them. So if it turns out you nursing them and it's not working, we throw in a few mLs of formula and get this kid's gut going. And then we try again. I just keep trying. But I think that the support in most institutions, and it's very different in sort of a birthing setting, uh, a birthing center setting, and there, aren't, there are no, as far as I'm aware of, birthing center settings in New York anymore. There used to be. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a situation where you're in a hospital, I don't think anyone has enough time to really sit and be with a mother and try to really figure out what is going on. Yeah, nobody tried to figure it out for me. Right. Len I'll say, and I delivered at Lennox, but they were wonderful in so many regards. But when it came to lactation help, it was, you look good, baby's on. Oh, look at that, wide, mm, up, good. Right. Fabulous, see you later. And I was like, can you come back? What's your name? Right. Please. Hello. Hi, Hello. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. You were only here for five minutes. But right. wait, I have questions. And with Matthew, he it seemed like if he wasn't on me, which... And the longest I think he was on me in the hospital was like an hour and a half. Right. So it was a long time. So the, the, um, he was on me for quite a long time, but then beyond that, when he wasn't on me, he was screaming. And the nurses, some of them would, there was one named Faye, this lovely nurse on the fourth floor who would walk him up and down the hall at night and be like, you need to sleep. And I kept saying, something's wrong. I think he's hungry. And they just kept saying, if you're committed to breastfeeding, and it was, it's written everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's like, defer, you can't forget that you're breastfeeding because number one, you're fully exposed. You're just sitting there with basically no clothes on being like, who, you want to look? You want to look? Come on over. You could take a peek. Right. And then it says everywhere, it says breastfeeding. Right. But when we left and we went for our newborn visit, he had lost a pound. Right. So the nurse, or the nurse practitioner at the pediatrician said, you can't leave here without him 
ingesting something. We need to see that he can. Right. I've heard that from a lot of moms that they were in the same situation. Matthew ended up taking two ounces like nothing. Right. But they found that if you some some women hold off and they go home and they say, Let me give my milk a chance to come in. Yes. And some immediately give the formula and the babies reject the boob after that. Okay. Well, let's let's address a couple of those questions. First of all, number one is there is an expected weight loss after the delivery two or three days when you're going home. So we have what we call our birth weight and then we have our discharge weight. And there is a, an allowance of a 10% weight loss. So when you're starting with a nine pound baby and the weight loss is 10%, that's a pound, that baby goes down to eight. And I keep reminding everybody, we're still dealing with an eight pound baby. We're not dealing with a little five pound baby who's in trouble. So it depends on the circumstances to what would warrant supplementation. In your case where we knew that there was not, it wasn't working and he'd lost a lot of weight, you've got to follow through the rules. You've got to give him something because obviously he's probably dehydrated, let alone have lost a lot of weight. So some of the parameters we look for is, you know, what's coming out. What's going in must come out. So not only are we looking for a weight loss, but we're also looking how many peas and poops is this child putting out in a day. It doesn't always gel. It doesn't always work. I've worked with clients who there's so many peas and poops and yet this baby's not gaining weight. So there are other issues. There are other circumstances that we have to look at to see why it's not working. But um, some mothers, like we said, very committed, will come home and say, I will pump, put it in, whatever I can pump. I'll squeeze it out manually. I will get some colostrum in this kid. And I've had mothers who have nursed, 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 and then either pumped, manually expressed, and then uh, literally spooned in an extra, you know, uh, five mLs just to get them down, and then they knew what they fed the baby. So there are ways to get around that. There are, however, pediatricians that won't let you leave an office without putting something down I their mean, throat. They didn't lock us in. Oh no! But they but were they pretty adamant make sure, that something yeah. was wrong. They are not going to send you home if a baby's had a major weight loss. And there's also a possibility of jaundice. And there's other things that we have to consider. So it's it, the big picture is not always that simple. It's you have to look at all of the factors. Um, and so that's whenever anyone calls me and says, you know, I was in the pediatrician's office and they insisted, I'm like, fine, good. Now we know that this kid needed his food. So let's just wait on seeing why the, the milk is taking forever to come in. Milk should come in on a breastfeeding mother, sorry, on a vaginal breastfeeding mother, a mother who's had a vaginal delivery, should come in by day three, day four, the latest. In the world of C-sections, it's a day or two delayed due to the fact that you tend to get very swollen when you have a surgery. They put a lot of IV fluids in your system, and what it tends to do is pool around your extremities. So women will complain their feet, their ankles look like elephant ankles, and as a nurse, we used to call it cankles. That was our nickname <laughs> I think that's still for the official definition. Right, they do. Yeah. And, you know, if a mom calls me from the hospital and says, my milk's not in, I'm day four, I've had a C-section, I'll immediately say, to her on the phone take the sheet off your legs and tell me what they look like she goes oh my gosh they look like elephant ankles i said madam this is why your milk isn't coming because it's vying for space there's space there's just so much space that your body will allow fluid your milk won't come in until those ankles go down once the ankles go down the milk comes in it's a day or two delayed in most cases some babies will be able to make it through those extra days some babies won't so once again we just have to look at each each particular situation, and it's not one size fits all in this business. It never has been. My milk didn't come in until day eight. Right. And again, I was a vaginal delivery. Vaginal delivery, right. So for I don't know what reason, happened. I don't know what it was waiting for. Yeah, I, but yeah, I don't know. And I don't know if the stimulation wasn't there at the beginning. I mean, if I have to look, really look at the entire picture. Yeah, it picture. could be. And I never pumped. I didn't pump until like day six. Right. Because I didn't realize I should have. Correct. Which is when I have a mother who is struggling in the hospital, I'll say, get the pump next to your bedside. If your baby's not nursing, we need to get the stimulation. Because in all of the research that's been coming out on breastfeeding specifically, besides the, the typical uh, buzzword, skin to skin, oh my gosh, it's all about the skin to skin now. It's also within the first hour. Like, it really, really important to stimulate the breasts every, you know, right from the beginning, within the first hour, and every two to three hours after that. So it's probably one of my big, you know, things when a mom comes to me in breastfeeding class, I'm like, first 48 hours, you have to wake the baby up every two to three hours and feed them. And when we measure feeding times, we always measure from beginning to beginning. Yeah, so it's why not, do we do that? Yeah, because it takes a half an hour to feed a baby, and usually breast milk and colostrum are digested within an hour. So usually by two hours, if you're counting from start to start, 
your child should be ready to eat again. Um, now mother wants to hear that, oh my gosh, I'm only, I, wait, you're telling me I fed the baby from 12 to 12.30 and by two o'clock, I've just put him down at one and at one hour later, he's ready to go again? I go, uh-huh, mm -hmm. it's not something you wanna hear, but that's the reality of a baby. They have little teeny tiny stomachs and if you actually see the size of them at the beginning, they're smaller than a ping pong ball. So they digest quickly and then they need to feed again. So there are many reasons why milk doesn't always come in. It's not always obvious as to why it doesn't come in on time, but that is uh, a big issue for the babies who are losing a lot of weight. Matthew went on a nursing strike immediately after that pediatrician's right. appointment. Yes. I have never, granted, admittedly, first time around, never done this before, don't see this often, but I have never witnessed a being that was four days old protest so loudly and be so adamant in his refusal of something. Yes. So there he was just rejected me outright. <laughs> he looked at. He I, screamed. I saw that. <laughs> I know. I. I, he, I was you, there. You, my. We had a baby nurse, and she would say, "In the hole, Matthew. In the hole." And so we would try to like put him on the boppy next to me. Try to do the football. I tried every hold. I was making up positions. I was like, "Okay, and we, if we hold up this leg and maybe this arm and." Dan, support the head. Maybe he'll want to feed this way. Right. He would scream yes. and wait for the bottle. Yes. Well, when you, uh, this is my other analogy. I have tons of analogies that I use when I'm teaching this. And the, one of my favorite analogies to the, the choice of the bottle over the breast is you and your husband are going uh, to a party. And you know the shortcut and he knows the long way around. Which way do you go? You take the shortcut. In the world of bottles and breasts, the bottles are the shortcut. Babies are incredibly smart. If they figure there's a shortcut at the beginning, mm -hmm. I don't need to go the long way around, Mom. Thanks very much, but that bottle's coming now, and I'm going to take the bottle instead of the breast. Uh, he also probably had some memory of the fact that the breast wasn't giving him what he wanted, mm -hmm. and so he's going to always choose the one that's going to work. So uh, there is some convincing we have to do, and I remember that day of the screaming baby, and I did just about everything in my power, and we got him on. We got uh, him on. We got him on. We fought. He fought us tooth and nail, but... I basically used every trick that I had in my arsenal. I and made it, you work for it. And we, I was sweating <laughs> over this girl like you cannot believe. I, I usually don't sweat over a couple, but I sweat over this baby. <laughs> um, and we got him on. And believe me, it was a big deal. And I was very, very pleased. We're like, okay, now, and every day you and I spoke and said what kind of progress we're making. And he was making more and more progress. And he was going to it more and more. And it was working. You basically simulated um, a tool that is available for babies. Uh, what is it called? Not an SMS, but a... SNS. SNS. SNS is a text message. Yes. I, think. <laughs> I think that's S the way that goes. SNS stands for Supplemental Nursing System. And so basically, you poured yes. formula Onto, honestly down my body yep. as I sat surrounded by towels. Matt, this really happened. Yes. I'm talking to our producer. It He's was, looking at me like, not I am never going to look at you the same way again. It was not yeah, buddy. Okay. So I literally sat there and you poured formula down me while Matthew, my son, yes, <laughs> clarify because my producer's name is also Matthew yes. and we're not talking about him, was underneath me attempting to catch it. So we were trying to trick him into thinking yes. that the free flowing of liquid was actually coming from mom and not from Sherry Bailey. That's exactly <laughs> right we like I said every arsenal in the every every trick we uh, well, we basically waterboarded we, him we, we were waterboarding we really him he did. just we kept putting it on the nipple he'd come he'd take a few sucks and he'd walk away and then he'd come back and he and it's incredibly exhausting to watch someone go through it but when you see it come out on the other side that it actually works and the two and two click you feel I felt very happy walking out of your apartment that day because what wasn't working was now working. Yes, mm -hmm. it took a lot of effort and I knew that. And in, in my world, when you see this in someone's home, you, uh, lots of mothers have said to me, how, how will you know this works? Um, many times I've met a couple and I always say to them, I will never ever lie to you. If I don't think this is going to work, when I walk out this door, I'm not going to have you, I'm not going to force you to do this because this is on you. I can't move in. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> believe me, I've been asked about a hundred thousand times. Could you move in and stay with us for three days? Um, and so, if I know it's not going to work, you know, you know it. Um, I, I often find that as soon as I see them respond the right I want them to, I know it's going to work. It's just going to be, this is, now we have to boot camp this baby back to the breast. We have to convince him there's a reason to be there. And once your milk was there, he came, it, back. He came back. And what is interesting about my son was that the, my ba I had a baby nurse, as you know, as you met. She went home for the weekend to fix her <laughs> washer yes, or something. I don't know, whatever she fixed. She went home to Brooklyn and... Dan, my husband said, I, we're giving him bottles. What we did was exactly what you said. Try him, put him on, 
offer him the buffet that is mom. Right. And when he rejects, we will then give him a bottle. Right. But we always start with. The and breast. I and yeah. so we did that every single feeding eight times a day. And I remember there was an overnight between Saturday and Sunday because we were doing the newborn pictures on Sunday. Saturday night, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. Dan got Matthew from the bed and said, offer it to him. Let's see. And he brought him into bed. The baby latched. And it was like a half hour each side feed. And I remember looking at Dan and he's like, I don't know if I want to cry because I'm tired or cry because it worked <laughs> or cry because I'm happy that you you said you were committed to something and it's and you're seeing it through. He's like, you can give up. And I'm right. like, don't talk. Don't disturb it's, him. It's, it's working. working. I was like, don't breathe. If you it's, breathe, it's I'll working. kill you. It's working. I'll kill you. <laughs> right. right. And it did. And then from that point forward, we were breastfeeding. Correct. And it was amazing to me that this little being had decided he didn't want to do something and then all of a sudden decided, I've made her sweat long enough. We'll try it again. It may have been just because the milk hadn't been available to him and all of a sudden it became available. And, and it is really quite astounding to us to watch something like that happen. And, and, and many times I've seen parents who, the milk's just not there yet. And I will say to them, you know, just give it a few more days. We'll get that baby on, I promise you. There is um, a wonderful uh, doctor up in Canada. His name is Jack Lawrence. And everyone in my business knows him because he is the guru. He is the guru. He runs a clinic. And um, he's, there are very few doctors in the world of breastfeeding. So when you meet a guy who's committed to this job, and so Especially he speaks, as a man. As a man, and he speaks all over the, the country. I mean, he comes to every lactation consultants conference. He's just astounding. But he has, runs a clinic, and he found in his research that it often takes sometimes uh, six weeks for a baby to climb on for real. So, and I have seen this several times. I've done this now for 30 years. I've seen this several times where a baby, we will sweat over this baby. He will not, he will not nurse, he will not nurse. And then all of a sudden at six weeks, ding, light bulb goes on, baby gets on, that's the end of it. No, everyone just says, I don't know what just happened here, but it worked. And he, he can't seem to kind of pinpoint what it is that makes the difference, but I've had several, several babies, will not nurse, will not nurse, will not nurse. I'll just keep telling the parents, just keep pumping, keep pumping, keep pumping, just keep working on it, keep trying it, and they get, I'd get the phone call at six weeks. They're nursing. Yeah, I felt that way too. Um, I felt that as time went on, we both got into a groove and it was about six to eight weeks. And I remember saying, I want to just get to three months. Well, I told my best friend, I'm getting to eight weeks, two right. months. Right. Two months, we're good. And then I said at around week six, this is actually going better than expected. We're going to get to 12 weeks. I'm doing three months and I'm stopping. And then at three months, I said, <laughs> no, I can make it to August. And I remember making a dentist appointment saying, uh, I'll do my, um, my x-rays after August. Right. August came and went. And so then I remember in August, Dan said to me, I think you can make it to Thanksgiving. And I was like, there's no effing way. We're not, we're not in the, I don't know if we're in the groove anymore. I'm now back at work. Things went haywire. I started working out, milk production dropped, this and the other thing. And God bless my son. Every day he's like, I'm going to try. We're going at it. It's almost like he looks at me like, we fought for this, mom. Even if I'm only on for five minutes, we're going to give this a shot. This. Yes. And so now I would love to make it to a year, but I don't know that my milk production is there. And, right. and so to, once I got done with maternity leave, I found that I was able to stash about 30 to 40 bags, which isn't a ton. No, it's not a lot, but it's, but it's still enough. something. Absolutely. And I was... I understood and realized that I needed to offer him formula because right. of, you know, right. but, but my intention was always more breast milk than formula. Correct. If formula's in the picture, that's fine, but I wanted it to tip the scale to tip more toward breast milk. We have a saying in our business, any breast milk is better than no breast milk, and percentages are very helpful. If you've got a 50-50 situation where you've got formula 50% uh, formula, breast milk 50%, it's all great. Uh, the, where it tilts a little bit is when the percentages are really heavily weighing on the formula side. Mm -hmm. And then is it worth your time and efforts? Um, once again, any breast milk is better than no breast milk. And if I have a mother who likes to nurse her baby to bed, even though they should have worked all day, or she nurses the baby in the morning and she'll ask me, can I pump a couple of times during the day just to keep my supply going? I'm like, yeah, fantastic. Do that. Your baby will, will also benefit and you'll benefit from feeling that you're doing something. Um, lots of mothers, and I would have to say very specific to New York City, um, don't have a lot of options as far as whether they go back to work. You know, they either right. go back to, I've had mothers go back to work after six weeks. I've had them go back to 12 weeks. And it really depends on their job situation. Do they have an option, an, an, uh, an, uh, an availability, sorry, to get to a pump during their day? 
do they work in, uh, you know, do they work on Wall Street where they are in the pit with, you know, 25 other thousand people, or do they have an office where they can close a door? If they have an office that closes a door and they do have their own time, then they're going to make it work. If they go back to work and realize, oh my gosh, this is for the birds, I can't do this, I have no time, then they realize that this isn't going to work for them. You know, for me, you yeah. work in a hospital, and on the job I had, I was able to find myself time to get into a pumping room, get that milk out of me, and get on with my day. But Honestly, what most women find when they go back to work is the stress, what you said as we were walking in yeah. here today, the stress of going back to work and breastfeeding, they tend not to work together. No, they, they work against each exactly. other. Exactly, exactly. From the lack of sleep, which you need for breast milk production. Correct. To running around like a mad woman with your head chopped off, right. which works against milk production, to not actually finding the time to be able to Correct. For anybody who is listening that happens to be a journalist, usually being a reporter and breastfeeding slash pumping, those two don't go hand in hand. No, they don't. I have desperately tried to marry these two, but it is a struggle. I mean, and God bless the people here at Fox because they have said, you want to pump? We'll give you time. I I always joke because since I work evenings, I'll say to our news desk, I need a mommy timeout. And at first they were like, a what? I'm like... (laughs) I need a little time. And the guys would be like, uh, b- b- oh. oh. And now I'll say, hey, can I take that mommy time out? And they'll go, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yes. Whatever you need, whatever you need. But the reality is that the job simply does not lend itself Correct. to taking two or three half-hour breaks. Correct. Which is why uh, some women will say to me, on Monday when I pumped, I had so much milk by Friday, I had very little milk. Well, as anyone who knows in breastfeeding... There is not a static amount of milk all day long. You don't get the exact same amount every single time you pump or breastfeed. So in a 24-hour period, you see the amount is supposed to go down. That's what's going down a baby's gut. But we realize at the beginning, in the morning, this is why I have moms pump a lot in the morning, is because they can capitalize on the extra milk that tends to be there in the morning. What makes milk is eating, drinking, and that elusive thing called sleeping. Mm -hmm. And since mothers tend to, at night, at least lie down between feeds, during the day you ask a mother at 5 p.m., so how many naps did you take today? They usually laugh at me on the phone and say, are you kidding, lady? I'm like, exactly. (laughs) Which is why by 5 o'clock in the afternoon, your supply tends to be the lowest, which tends to also coincide with your baby's worst time of day, which we call the witching hour. So we get a mother who's making tons of milk in the morning, and when it translates to working, on Monday, you tend to have all your milk because you've been at home for the weekend in nursing. By Friday, you get get nothing. And I had a a client years ago who worked for NBC. I had a lot of Dateline people. Way before this whole Fox thing came into my life, I had a lot of Dateline clients. (laughs) Before we took over your schedule. (laughs) Dateline was like every person, every mother who's ever been on Dateline was in my class. And they'd all call me the same. Well, they do their research, by the way, so that's a a good sign. Exactly. So they would call me and say, Monday I had a ton of milk, Friday I have not. I'm like, okay, so here's the reality of going back to work. You're not going to make the same amount of milk on Monday as you do on Friday. So on weekends, you just spend a really great time, you know, building it back up. Nurse, 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 pump, 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 pump. And that that's going to make up for it when Thursday and Friday rolls around. Mm. But, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people really struggle with going back to work and pumping. Uh, you work for Goldman Sachs. They have a whole pumping room set up, a whole area that these mothers will take time out and go every single day. They really make it work for them. But small companies and companies that really can't support that, those mothers are going to, they're not going to make it. They're just not going to make it. So to date, I've been back to work since uh, mid-June. I have pumped in a children's place dressing room. I pumped in the bathroom of the Millennium Hotel downtown by the, mm-hmm. by Fulton Street or on Fulton Broadway. Um in the handicap accessible bathroom, and I remember a little girl standing in front of the stall going, Mommy, what's that sound? <laughs> Mommy, what's she doing? <laughs> Mommy, what? There's somebody making noise in here. And the mom goes, nothing, nothing. Go to the bathroom. And I wanted to scream out, that's my kid's lunch that Thank you're hearing. You. Thank you. Right. Um, I have pumped in a Chick-fil-A bathroom. Oh, good. I have pumped at the behind the band shell at Lincoln Center, which... God bless the people at Lincoln Center, but that was a rodent-infested thing that I probably should not have given Matthew the milk from that. Yeah. It needs a good clean. Yeah, it needs exactly. a good clean. Yeah, uh, I definitely documented that one because that was, was gross. Um, I have pumped in, oh, a, a dressing room in uh, New Paltz. I walked into this little dressing room, and I, I, this little store, and I said, excuse me, I'm a breastfeeding mom, and I'm thinking I'm in a really progressive place, so maybe they could help. She, I said, do you have a bathroom? She goes, what do you need to do, honey? I said, I need to pump. It's been six or seven hours. I've been Ouch. on a shoot. We're doing a Lyme disease shoot. She goes, first of all, high five. 
So I high-fived her. I was like, I'm in. Second of all, here's our dressing room. Go right ahead. We even have a nice little chair set up. I said, but ma'am, you only have one dressing room. It's like a curtain. She goes, well, they can get changed in the in my office. I don't care. You go. You go. I said, great. Uh, and on and on and on. I've had our photographers had to leave the truck in rainstorms. I mean, I have put people really through hell. Um, one of them said, Will you promise me you'll tell me when it's time to come back to the news van? I said, I promise I won't catch you off guard. Yeah, He's really. like, are you sure? I said, I promise. But if I started at the beginning of my maternity leave, I started maybe pumping 20 to 25 ounces. So I felt like that kind of covered Matthew Ab- almost. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm, pump, I'm breastfeeding in the morning. Right. Now, if I go home with 10 ounces, 7 to 10 ounces, man, it was a good day. Yeah. And I'm chugging water like it's going out of style. Right. But it's not the chugging of the water. It's the stress of your day. And and honestly, the really odd thing of this whole thing is when parents call me and say they've just gotten back from a vacation and my supply has t- tremendously gone down. And I'll say, okay, you actually think that was a vacation when you took your baby with you with no help? That's not a vacation. That's just a change of location without the amenities. That's so a great way of putting it. It yeah. really is not a vacation. A vacation, as you know, when you go away with a three-year-old and a six-year-old, is when you bring the nanny with you. That's when, or the in-laws, or somebody's going to watch your kids for you. You can't go on vacation. There's no vacation with babies. So it's just a change of location. So I often tell parents, that's not. That's more stressful going away without the refrigerator and the washer dryer and the microwave and everything it takes to survive a day with your children, that's what you really need. So, you know, if you ask my husband how I went traveling with my kids, um, I said, I insisted it must be a condo. There was never a hotel in my future with babies. It was always a condo. There was always a washer dryer. There was always a refrigerator and there's always a, a micro. Then I would go away, bring the nanny with us. That's a vacation. Yeah. Because there's no way, and those mothers don't understand how how it is that their supply went down on a vacation and I'll say it wasn't a vacation it was just a change of location so the same thing when you go out of your comfort zone or for example you've been at home mm-hmm. for how many weeks your whole focus is your baby your whole focus is eating enough food your whole focus is making sure you get some sleep at night and now you're back at the office you're doing what you always did but now there's a, a component at home that adds into it saying oh my gosh and I still have to go now there's more stress for you to get into that pumping room yeah it really is and I find myself going it's not good but I go six seven eight nine. last yesterday I literally it was eight thirty, right preparing for the 10 o'clock show and I thought oh no I haven't pumped since 2 15 and I didn't even feel it until 8.30. And I'm like, well, I don't have time to do it now. I'm in Herald Square. Right. What am I going to do? Right. So I said, well, I have to just wait until I get home. So I pumped at 10.45 when I got home. Which, And I thought to myself, I just really shot myself in the foot. Yes, I did. literally just went eight plus hours with no expression whatsoever. Right. And, and then when you pump, I got four ounces. Well, the way it works with breastfeeding is that when it goes out, it comes back in. So if you're not taking it out until eight hours, it's not going to come back in. The more frequently you do it, the more milk you're going to get. So it, it's, I have a similar story, but mine was different is that I just came back from work after three months and I was making a ton of milk. And I remember saying to myself, I was going from my office, which is just down the street from here. And I was like, okay, I've got to catch my train. I live in Connecticut. I've got to catch my train and I don't have time to pump because I'm going to miss my train. So I'm going to get on that train and uh-oh, I am going to be so full. This was a big mistake because the true story is I'm sitting on the train on Metro North and all of a sudden I'm leaking all over my clothes. Fortunately, I had an actual jacket on because my milk is pouring out of me with no help from anything. I get home, I open up my my jacket. My husband's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) what the heck happened to you? I said, I am so full. I pumped out 13 ounces that night. My normal was about six. Wow. So I had so much milk. This was just as I first came back from work, you know, came back from my maternity leave. So I had so much milk. I was like, I'm never, ever going to skip one again because it was too uncomfortable. You're now far enough away from that moment where your body will readjust, but it won't give you, no, it, it won't give you that much discomfort. It does if you, when you first came back, that's why you were pumping in all those odd places. Yeah. Because oh, like, yeah. oh, I have to go. Oh, I have to go pump. I mean, and I then got to the point where I was like, hi, I'm a breastfeeding mom. And some people look at me and go, oh, hell yeah. And, and the teenage boys at the counter would be like, 
What does that mean? What is, I, I got know. like googly eyed and I was like, no, not for you. Yeah, I'm right. not breastfeeding you. <laughs> I have a kid at home, buddy. Right. Show me to the bathroom so I can do this. So so with Matthew, we were trucking right along and then our doctor at four months said, we need to introduce solids. He was still, he at that point, I think he was in the 15th percentile for weight. Right. So he... We, we gained back our pound that we lost and then some, we were on the curve. Right. We, there was a, there's a curve and we were on the, yeah. we were yeah. on it, but we weren't as high up as he thought we should be. So he said, you should introduce solids at four months, which was great for Matthew's weight gain. But then I started to find that our breastfeeding sessions had to change up a little bit. Correct. Now that he is eating three full hungry man meals a day at nine months, forget it. He is on one side, he's on one side and it's. Suck, 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 suck. Oh, look, this. Suck, 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 yep. suck, suck. Oh, what that? Suck, suck, suck. I hear the nanny in the other room. Suck, suck, suck. I don't want you anymore. Suck, suck, suck. Whack you in the head with the foot. Yep. I mean, <laughs> and then and then I'm like, well, let's try the other side. So now we've only been on one right side five minutes. Let's go to the left side for what ends up being 30 seconds. And I'm like, here we go. Now we have to pump. Do you have to wonder, is that what weaning is? Well, that is a baby who is distracted is what that is. And because they're really very aware of their surroundings. And, and he's and, incredibly alert. Yeah. And there are parents who will say, I was, the baby latches on. And I even have one son who did this. He'd latch on and then take the nipple with him and look around the room. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back here, Buster. You, it doesn't go, it doesn't travel with you. Okay. And he'd be like, what's going on here? What's going on here? Where a lot of parents say, how do I do that? I'm like, you have to go into a dark room. I mean, it is, there's so many distractions. Your baby is so aware of its, its surroundings. Um, there are babies that you can figure it out, get through it. Um, in, in the case where you're not home all the time now or that you're not home in the evenings or whatever hours that are now missing, he's getting the memo that doesn't have to really nurse that hard, you know, yeah. and he's getting his meals. It's usually what we describe at this point, three milks, three meals, you know, three milks, three meals. If it's in a bottle, it's three milks. You know, sometimes we'll take four milks, three so is meals. So is that the formula That's now? the formula now. Nine months, that's usually where so it's at. So our doctor said to us, because uh, we had our nine-month checkup on Friday. So he should be getting anywhere from 12 to 24 ounces of liquid. Correct. That might be from you. It might be from right. a bottle. That's three, out, three eight-ounce bottles. It's so 24. if I breastfeed him once in the morning when he wakes up at 7 a.m., yep. whatever we get, we get. Yep. And then he really shouldn't have another bottle until midday and then one at night? That should be it if he gets his eight ounces in the morning. But if he doesn't get his eight ounces, he's going to need another milk somewhere. Okay. So he might need you might need three to four. Correct. Ah, uh, okay. So then if the, he, what he's doing now is not weaning, because he still no. latches immediately. No, no, no. Weaning is when he literally just pushes away from the breast and says, no, thank you very much. That's, that's weaning. Do they that's ever a baby. actually try to get on you again? Not, when a baby really makes a decision to stop breastfeeding, they just stop breastfeeding. And so you they, offer them the breast? You and offer they, and they just go, no, thank you. Just no, thank you. And they don't argue. They don't fight you. They don't get angry. They just say, no, thank you. And they just turn their head away. And so to answer that question, um, one of my sons was very clear and he was done. You know, he was done with the boob. Thanks very much. So then you had to make a bottle for one and a boob for another? Correct. So it's like, I'm done. And then the other one, it didn't take long for him to get get on on board and go, oh, I see what he's doing. I think I'm going to do the same thing. So it really, I I remember distinctly, it was in September. I had my kids in January. In September, it was Labor Day weekend. And we were away. We were down out in the Hamptons visiting friends. And both of them were like, yeah, mom, I think this is our last weekend together. You know, I was like, oh. I knew. Oh, I knew it was coming. I I felt it. Um, But... What you're describing is not a baby who's winning. He's just just letting you know that he's really distracted, mm-hmm. and he just wants to look around while he's eating. And he would prefer just to keep an eye on things around the room. And you know, like you said, he hears this one, he hears that one. Um, but and there's also babies who have what we call nursing strikes, and, and and that's earlier on. A nursing strike is a baby. Who, oh yeah, no, I know what a nursing strike right. Is. Nursing strike is. I no can write th- the book yeah, on the yeah, nursing strike. <laughs> push away from the push away from you yeah. know the dining room table. I'm not sitting here. Yeah, he literally latches on. He'll suckle for five minutes or so, and then he is like doing back bends. He's looking oh, yeah. around. Some t- <laughs> and 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 I mean, literally today, I was like, "You are in a full on back bend. Yeah. Oh, yeah, how yeah. how are you doing that?" And with the nipple in the mouth and the milk coming. And then yeah. once he finally pops back up, I'm like, "Well, you don't want to be held this way. Let's sit you up." By the time we were done today, I was like, "Matthew." You are, I have gray hair now. I didn't have it before you were born. Yep. But here's where we are. And then when I tried to keep offering it, it was forget it, pushing you away, pushing you away, pushing away. I want to crawl to daddy. So 
But you know what, though, Teresa, you have your milk. A lot of milk comes out very quickly for at this point in Is your. That, in that's your also true, right? Yes. He doesn't need a half. He hour. doesn't need a half hour. Most babies get efficient. I've seen babies get efficient after three weeks of nursing. They'll knock a boob off in seven minutes, uh, five. Um, and they're done. I mean, literally done. Because so, he doesn't seem hungry. Right, exactly. If he was l- looking, you know, he kept going back and kept going back. And go- but he was basically got what he needed at the beginning and said, listen, Mom, there's more interesting things to look at now. And I'm going to, I'm full. Good enough. Let's go. So then how do I then going forward figure out, A, when it's time to wean, and B, how to get to that point without getting mastitis? Well, uh, weaning. <laughs> or clogged there, there up. Is, there is an actual process to weaning. It, it is, there is a process. You just don't, I'm going to go cold turkey this weekend because I'm done. There is a way to turn off the milk without causing an infection. And when women call me and say, okay, we're ready. I'm going back to work. I've got this much time. We're going away. I've got some plans. I'll say, okay, I need, I need, how many times are you feeding him uh, every day? Oh, I'm feeding him, you know, six times a day. I said, okay, times that by three, that's how many days you need to wean. 18 days? Yes. Because it takes three days to eliminate one feed. So basically the rule of thumb is if you are feeding the baby six times a day, you're going to take one feed and for three straight days, you are not going to feed the baby at that time. By the third day, your body has gotten the memo that you're not making any more milk for that feed. You can put some ice packs on your boobs if you're uncomfortable for the first two days. By the third day, there's no more milk at that feed. Then you pick another feed. But the rule is you never pick two in a row. So we describe it as going across the clock. So for example, eliminating your 3 o'clock in the afternoon feed, and then you eliminate your 3 a.m. feed. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to go as far away from that last feed so that your body doesn't get built up. If a mother calls me and says, I just stopped breastfeeding this weekend, I usually find that she is in a major, major panic mode by Tuesday with so much milk in her boobs, she doesn't know what to do with herself because she so you didn't. Have to express. You have to express at that point. But the, the goal is, is that if, if a mom says, I need to wean by XYZ, I'm going back to work, whatever, I'll say, How many times are you feeding a day? Eight. I need 24 days. So you need to put that in the mix in your head. I need a month before I go back to work. I need three weeks before I go back to work to fully, fully wean and wean carefully. Right. That's so it's the, not that's just I'm stopping. It's I'm stopping without ramifications or problems of infection because you can really, milk stasis is a term that we use when the milk is staying in the breast and having no place to go. That can cause infections and that causes clogged ducts. So, and that leads to a passable mastitis, which is an inflammation of the, the ducts. So to answer your question, when a mom says I'm thinking of weaning or when you're talking about weaning, when it's obvious to you whether he's his mother-led weaning and this baby-led weaning. So say you say, okay, I'm going to make it till New Year's or I'm going to make it till Christmas or I'm going to make it till Thanksgiving. Um, then you're deciding when you're going to stop. Got it. When the baby starts weaning, you will know it because what you're describing is not weaning. You're just, I got enough milk for this. Thanks, Mom. I'm ready to get That's on right. with my day. Yep. So, okay, if I wanted to make it to one year, I know I feed him at 7 a.m. Yep. That's always. Yep. Um, I try to feed him at 11 a.m. Yep. And if I don't feed him, I attempt to pump right around that time. Yes. I try to pump at 2 p.m. Yep. Right before, right in the beginning of my work day. Yep. I attempt, if it works, to do a 6 or a 7 or an 8 p.m. pump. Mm-hmm. And then I always pump before bed. So that's uh, 10, times. 30, 11. Right. So the most natural ones are the morning and the evening. Correct. For so, me. So what you do is the, the you, midday. That's, right, a, that's the midday, a doozy. Yeah, it's the doozy. So it's... It, when you're trying to just keep those t- the, the bookends uh, intact, then you kind of have to break the rules a little bit. So you basically do the so second one. So if I wanted to one. drop, say, the 8 p.m., because that is not an ideal time for work, and maybe I want to drop the 2. I can't do the 2 because that's consecutive. Correct. So I'd have to drop the 11 and right. the 8. So then you would do a 8 11, and then I know it's consecutive to 2, but it'd be better than if you didn't do so it So then the I would way. feed it 7 feed then at two, uh, pump at two right pump it at 10 right 11. so you're doing is you're for three straight days you just eliminate one but you keep the others going right right right. and right. then the next three days you eliminate the next one so but then if i'm feeding or pumping at two and then feeding or pumping at 10 or 11 is the pump right that's a long amount of time that nine hours is a long amount of time to have milk in the breast i know but that's so the then what does a do. mom do, do you, i'm ice not, pack I, you ice pack in between if you can. 
It's like if you're uncomfortable, you start getting... You, you start but I don't have to worry about just the stagnant milk in no. there for nine hours no. would cause an infection. No. It's when you don't express at all right. that the... Okay, correct. Got it, got it. But your body's getting a signal every time you stop doing something, and, and we say icing instead. Icing... Uh, constricts the blood vessels, which then s- slows down the milk supply. So you get a mom who's icing for a couple of days on one feed, and then she moves to the next feed, and I'll say ice for two days on that feed. So that's how you do it. Um, and, and for someone who's down to about five feeds a day, it's not going to be as, as traumatic as someone who is doing it eight times a day. Right. Because her body is emptying all day and long. And I don't still have an abundance of milk. That's the, that's the other part of this, is you're not trying to eliminate, you know, 15 ounces out of your boob at each feed. Right. You know, or 10 yeah, ounces, Yeah, I mean, there are feeds right. where I honestly get two ounces, and I'm like, why am I doing this? Yeah, Why right. did I just spend 10 minutes, 20 minutes feeling like a cow in a creamery? Like, what am I doing? Right. But then at the same time, I realized, no, I, it, two ounces, in my opinion, is better than no ounces. No ounces, right. So that's your, I mean, that's your choice, and that's where people have to make decisions. How emotional is it for a lot of moms who decide that they are going to wean instead of letting the baby do it? Because I have found just personally that I struggled so much to do this in the beginning, and I committed to it so fiercely without really understanding what I was doing, that now I'm like, do I really want to give it up? But yes, I do. I would like my freedom back. And I'd like to lose that weight that's associated with like breastfeeding too, to pounds, by yes. the way. But beyond that, I feel like I know that I'm the only person on earth within reason that can do this for him. So I don't want to give it up, but I would like my life back. And that's the selfish aspect of it. I think that every mother comes to that on their own, and I think they decide what, what's where the answer lies. It's a, a really hard question to answer because everybody feels differently about this. But I would agree that... Um, it's, I think it's harder for women who have put all that effort in at the beginning or it was a real struggle. It didn't come easy. Mm-hmm. And so now it's working. It's great. I love my boy. Oh, my gosh, I can't imagine spending any time away from you in this respect. Or, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be doing bottles instead of my boob. But uh, you come to it usually. I, when a mother is mother's led weaning, it's due to her circumstances more than just, I want my freedom. Right. It's other things involved. And so... Um, certainly I have many women who say to me, I just want to pump. I don't even want to breastfeed. I'm like, great, whatever you want to do. I'll but I think that gets there. old after a while. It does get old. It's very hard to sustain it. And yeah. so I think that uh, circumstances for me was my sons had decided and I was I pumped a little bit longer and that was it. Others will say, no, I need to go back to work or I need to do this and this is what I need to do or I'm done. Like you said, I am, six months, I am done. Okay, let me tell you how to wean. So... I, I think that in the end, uh, most women are very happy with their decision. I don't think they regret. I have seen women stop breastfeeding really early on and really regretted that decision and, and tried to relactate, which is hard to do at the best of circumstances. Can, that's yeah, you a possibility? Can. You can. It's really hard, but you have uh, talk about putting the time in and putting the commitment in. You can do it. It just takes a lot of work. If I had decided that I want to up my milk production and go in the opposite direction and really... You would have to put yourself on a pumping regime that was much, much stronger than it is today. Uh, So So you you really have to... It's like starting all over. You would be starting all over. I would put you on a two and a half to three hour pumping regime. Give yourself... Two and a half to three hours at a clip? No, two to three hours of oh, timing. Of timing. Oh, okay. Every it's like back back to the early days. Yeah. You're nur- you're pumping as often as you would be nursing. <gasps> wow. So you pump yeah, no. eight times a day. Mm-hmm. You do it for forty eight to seventy two hours, and if you see results, we're on the we're on the road. I don't even think I could charge my pump that quickly. That's what you do. Wow. But there are I think the reason why some women relactate is because they discovered that the the formula is not being, the baby is not tolerating the formula and they're finding out it was more difficult for them to bottle feed with formula than it was to breastfeed. That's why some women relactate. Others just didn't get the right information when they first had their baby and then they are just, they're stumped as to why it didn't work. Back to our initial point, it is not as natural as as we are led to believe. I would like to believe that in the years gone by when your family was a unit and, you know, it takes a village, as they love to say, Hmm. when it took a village, that means grandma was lived next door, the auntie was down the street, everybody breastfed, they all were vying for this, they all taught the daughter or or niece or granddaughter what to do, and everybody was on your side and they all made it work. When you live in an apartment where you're not even sure your best friend has, she hasn't had a baby yet, and there's nobody supporting you on what this can be, I think that a lot of women will fail because they don't have the right information. We have said this, our profession is quite young for the world of breastfeeding. It's only been since the 1980s that there's an actual profession as a lactation consultant. So all the research has only been done 
in the last 15, 20 years where we can actually look at and go, you see, breast is best. And in the 1950s and 60s, when the baby boomers and the, and the people coming back from World War II, it, they were told by doctors that breast is nothing, formula is the way to go, look at how easy this is, you can make this in your own house, and oh my gosh, this is, this is science, this is great for your baby. And, you know, so you get mothers who are completely, you know, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. They really believe that formula is okay, that it's perfectly fine, and it is okay. And in many cases, I've told mothers, don't breastfeed, give the formula, you're miserable. Happy mothers make happy babies. Right. So it all depends on where they are in the scale, and if they've done their due diligence, and I remember saying to you on the phone, you didn't take my class? Why didn't you take my class? Because mm -hmm. you were asking me all the questions that I cover in my class. Well, that's the reporter in you. I know. <laughs> How is that you didn't take the class? <laughs> because you're asking me every question that I already covered for two and a half hours in that class you would have been at. You know? yeah, yeah. So um, whenever any patient <laughs> calls me and says, I'm struggling, I'm like, you didn't take my class, did you? Because you wouldn't be calling me with those particular questions. Yeah. Maybe other questions, but not this question. <laughs> so uh, I, I was committed to making sure that anyone who came across my path would say, please try. I remember telling you, please try to take the breastfeeding class because yeah. I know you're going to get caught. I definitely, I should have taken it. I should have taken it. Yeah. Um, does it get easier the second time around? Yes. Are two you just reasons. saying that? No, really, two reasons. First of all, the reason why most women feel really uncomfortable breastfeeding um, a first time is because they feel like they've got 10 thumbs on their hands. Mm -hmm. They don't know they're not going to kill their kid yet. You're actually... I still don't know right. that I'm actually you're not going to kill my kid yet. I'm hoping you're not going to. to kill your child if you don't do something <laughs> yeah. right. Okay, that's number one. Uh, it, when I was in a hospital, uh, parents would say to me, why is it that you walk in, you put the baby on in three seconds and he latches on, and I'll say, confident hands. I'm not worried I'm going to drop your baby, nor am I going to worry about where that head's going. I already know it's going to be okay. So once you get confident hands, that's when it changes. Second timers are so much calmer around their babies because they know they're not going to kill them. The second reason why it's better is because 20% more breast milk comes in on a second oh, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 20% and it, better. And it comes in faster. So Good. second timers tend to succeed where the first time may not. My, my best friend is probably the perfect example of this. Her first one, it was a disaster in the making. I was with her the entire time. It was a disaster. And I said, you know, it's time to give up. We're done. Six weeks, we were finished with her. I was like, enough with this kid. <laughs> second baby comes along, delivers a Cornell with me. This kid latched on. It was not even a blink. He never looked back. He's now in college. I love him to death. He's not still but breastfeeding, is he? he? Was, uh, no, he's still not <laughs> breastfeeding. But she looked at me and said, what the heck happened here? Four years later, I said, more milk. You know what you're doing this time. Yeah. And now it's, now it's working. So every pregnancy is different every breastfeeding experience is different but we do know that most moms on a second timer usually does a much better job of breastfeeding because she's more confident about what she's doing listen if i could replicate my pregnancy and replicate my labor <laughs> i'd You'd be, be pregnant now happy. yes okay no not so whoa 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 <laughs> not yet not yet but close but no i would be the happiest but breastfeeding i would like it to be simpler in the beginning i really would but then again as i said to you if i didn't work for it as much as i have and if I didn't struggle and feel that feeling of, but I really do want this, I yes. really want to get this in, I actually don't know that I would have stuck with it as, as long as I right. have or that I would even be thinking about trying to get through flu season. Right. Well, that's the other issue. When my, when I, my mothers are delivering their babies in September and October, I'll say, flu season, you really want to do this if you can. If you can do this, do it because you're protecting your baby from a really horrible disease out there. And it's not just flu for them. It's RSV. And re respiratory succinctal virus is so bad, they end up in the hospital with pneumonia and all kinds of other problems. So mm -hmm. it's not something that's just we take very lightly as to, yeah, of course you can formula feed. Yeah, you can formula feed, but don't put, bring anybody into your house. Because anyone who is, has the slightest cough is going to walk in and infect your baby. So, so you don't to be do really that. Careful. And one other comment on just on this subject, and that is when parents constantly ask this question: "I'm sick as a dog, Sherry. Should I stop breastfeeding?" Absolutely not, because what your body is fighting is going directly as antibodies to your breast milk. And that means your baby is getting the benefit of what your body's doing to fight the disease. Oh. So you don't need to put a mask on. You don't need to walk around and worry about what your baby's going to get. If you keep breastfeeding through any virus, any cold, anything, any stomach virus, your baby is protected from your disease because it's in the antibodies in your breast milk. Wow. So that is a really big thing that yeah, mothers don't always understand season. through flea season. So it's really important. Don't stop nursing when you get sick. 
Okay. And everybody says it changes colors. Sometimes the breast milk does. I don't, I, we haven't experienced that yet. No. I don't know if I could. T- I don't know. I'll cross that bridge when I come. Right. Sherry Bayless, thank you so much. <laughs> it is so good Teresa. to see you and be clear-headed <laughs> and not have bags under my eyes the size of my former pregnant stomach and like just feel like I am a whole human being Ladies again. and gentlemen, I did not recognize Teresa today in the lobby when Seriously. I walked in. I hadn't seen her in a bunch of months, and believe me, she looks a lot different and a lot better. <laughs> and uh, I'm clothed. Yeah, so you're that clothed. Helps too. clothes on too. <laughs> because the last time you saw me, I wasn't. Right. Thank I you so much. Thank you so much if for having me. If people want to find you, I know that you are in the process of transitioning. Yeah. You are leaving the <laughs> cold northeast for sunnier pastures. But um, if you wanted to, uh, if find they want to find you, where do they find you? Um, honestly, you will, you will find me online. If you just look up, if you Google Sherry Bayless, you will find me. Because you there have a be, very popular YouTube. Yes, I uh, have a YouTube or, videos. Vi- videos that are available right. on YouTube and Amazon. On Amazon. And uh, we are we are closing up shop on a lot of this uh, in the next couple of months. But if you just Google me, you'll find me and you'll have my phone number. It's it's on, it's everywhere. Can people and, Skype as far oh, as absolutely. lactation? Oh, absolutely. That must I'll be a Skype. little weird, though. It's a little weird. I can't do the hands-on. The, the Skyping, yes, I've done Skyping. Um, mostly phone consultations are when it's not a latch issue. If it's just typical questions, I can absolutely do that. I do it all the time. But, um, yeah, I am going to be leaving the Northeast in February. So if you're hearing this and you're due soon, you better call me soon because I am, it's yeah. going to be hard. Because <laughs> you're leaving. <laughs> I'll still give you her number. Don't worry. Okay. No, yes. But also, if somebody cannot get in touch with you and needs to get a well-trained lactation consultant, somebody that they trust, where do they, they go? They go to ilka i l c a dot org. It is an international lactation consultant association. It is our uh, major organization that carries all of the lactation consultants' information. So you go online ilka.org, you will find a lactation consultant in your neighborhood. And if not, ask me, and I'll ask Stacy Delicat, who seems to give me all of my professional <laughs> <laughs> pregnancy. All advice. the people to call. All the <laughs> and, people. And I'll make sure that she finds you somebody. There too. you go. Sherry, thank you. Thank you. Great. Pre Motherhood with Teresa Priolo is part of the Fox Five Podcast Network. This episode was recorded, edited, mixed, made awesome by Matt Onimus. The executive producers are myself, Matt Onimus, and Imad Ashgar. Byron Harmon is VP of News, and our Vice President and General Manager of Fox 5 is Lou Leone. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, or you just want to say hi, reach out to me on Twitter at Fox5Teresa or on Facebook, Teresa Priolo NY. And stay tuned for our next episode. <laughs>